Uh, turn in your Bibles, please, for our teaching tonight from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Thanks for your love and your prayers. Um, my wife and I are so thankful that we're relatively healthy and in such a great uh, assembly and doing what we're doing. We're just so thankful for that. And we consider it's all, how about it? If you're healthy tonight, what's that? It's all grace, right? And if we're not, it's all grace, right? Yes. Well, thank you. It's not much, but whatever. We'll take we, we, what we can get. We get we'll take what we can Yes, the Lord knows. Amen. Um, okay, so oh, uh, Pastor Sterling and Barbara and, and Johnny Cooper, right? And your wife. Yeah, thank you for coming. Did you come down here for the, my birthday? You did? From Brooklyn? Wow. That's amazing. That's like really honor. Thank you for that. Wow, it's amazing. Do you think I'll go up there for your birthday? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> One time I was in uh, JFK and, and there was a COVID time and I didn't have the, uh, you know, I get, had to get tested. I, all that's kind of blurry to me right now, how that all went, but I couldn't get on the plane without being tested, you know, negative. And I got, I was at JFK and I had to find the place to go to, and I, you know, they had closed it down at 8 o'clock, I was there at 9, and my plane was leaving at 10.30, and one of those, how many have been in one of those, you know, yeah, so, but it's Pastor Sterling's wife, Pastor Sterling and his wife helped me, yeah, they helped me. And Barbara is there walking with me through the airport, like holding my hands. And I'm having a breakdown, okay? And she's saying, it's going to work out. Trust God. I go, okay. <laughs> yeah, she did. She, she's amazing. Yeah, is that, does she treat you like that every day? Huh? Isn't that amazing? That's so good. That's so good. Okay, <laughs> uh, okay. First Corinthians 15. Now I'm I'm wondering if I should preach this message. Um, okay, yeah. First Corinthians 15, 45 to 47. And so it is written: the first man, Adam was made a living soul. <clears throat> the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. 
you know, what's the difference? Adam, the first Adam has a living soul, and the, other, the next Adam, the last Adam, Christ, that is Christ, was made a quickening spirit. So one was soulish, the other one was spiritual or spirit. Verse 46, Habiet, that was not first, which is spiritual. So the first Adam wasn't spiritual in the context. Yes, did he walk with God? Yes, was God in the garden with him? Yes. Was Adam, was he teachable? Yes. Did he have options? Yes. But he's not, he, he hasn't been tested but he is uh, alive, made in the image of God, and he is soulish. And it, it, we, can, we, can, we can suppose that if he, God's plan was that he would be soulish and then eat of the tree of life and become spiritual, quickening spirit, and never die, never die. That death was not in the plan but for be a soulish and then become spiritual. That's what it, we read. Christ came, and we know that Christ was, was able to make things alive. He could touch something, and it would live. He was a quickening spirit. Uh, even even without, without him knowing, somebody touched him. He knew somebody touched him. Virtue went out of him, and the woman that was bleeding in Mark 5 was healed. He was a quickening spirit. Uh, a leper, if he touched a leper, he didn't become leprous. The leper became healed if he willed it, right? When Lazarus is dead in the tomb, it's Christ, the quickening spirit, that raised him from the dead by praying to the Father. You see the difference? I mean, you're following it with me. Okay, let's look at it, verse 46. Howbeit that which is, howbeit that which, that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural and afterward, that which is spiritual. It, it does, it is obvious, God does things in phases. God, God, the Bible, it, we have history and there are phases. There are times, and we, we have the coming of Christ soon. We have the millennial reign coming. We have the city of God coming down on the earth one day. Praise the Lord. What a blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Turn to your neighbor and you say, are you called to the marriage supper of the Lamb? Are you? You got your invitation with you? Are you called to the marriage supper of the Lamb? What do you think? Blessed are they that are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Isn't that beautiful? Man, wow. That's going to be great. So chapter, by the way, many of us are gone next week. We'll be here Sunday but then through the week, many of us, it's spring break for the schools. Uh, some people are going to Eurocon. But, but uh, come and, and, be, and, and 
uh, be ministered to here uh, through the week as God leads you. Everything goes on. Okay, verse 47. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. So we have the earthly, earthy, earthy people. We, we cling to the dust. Psalm 119.25. Could we put that on the screen? Psalm 119, verse 25. Okay. Hello? Okay. <laughs> Is it there? Yeah, thank you. My soul cleaves to the dust. So we have turned now to Genesis 1. And leave that up there, thank you. Oop. <laughs> well, well, yeah, they're going to leave it, leave it up there for a minute. My soul cleaves to the dust. Uh, just a warning for us that we, we do cleave to the dust. We, we get down. There's that story in Luke 13 where, where the woman bent over. You know the story? Let's, turn, let's put that up on the screen. Let's, let's we'll give our, our screen keeper a workout tonight. Okay, so Luke 13 in verse... 10. He was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. Behold, there's a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said, Woman, you are loose from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her. Immediately she was made straight and glorified God. So a woman is bent over by the devil. What, just an illustration. Maybe you've seen it with people. I, 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 I'm so sorry for it, but I've seen people like that, okay? And I mean, they walk, they, they walk, but they are like this. And it's like the devil, my soul cleaves to the dust, and the devil wants to kind of rub my face in the dirt and put me down. And actually, my nature is that way. The first man, Adam, was earthy. But then, with sin, he lost God. Uh, so he couldn't become spiritual, because he lost God. All he can be is earthy. And he, he puts, I'm going to the grave. That's all that I got in my mind and my life. I'm going to the grave. I have sinned. That's all that I have in my life. I have failed. I, 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 this is all that I have. I look at my feet and the dirt and the earth. And this is how many people live. And they are so afraid. They are not spiritual. They are soulish. The first man, Adam, was a living soul. And he never made it to being spiritual. He didn't. He just became a sinner that is earthy. So then he has wisdom that is below 
And you know the, um, the scripture in James 3, we have the wisdom that is below, and we have the three words, number one, earthly, earthly, earthly wisdom, sensual, and then devilish wisdom. So this woman, in a picture, I'm, I'm reading into it, but it helps us to see and remember what we're saying, that, that, that there is a wisdom that is below and is from the devil. And, he, and that wisdom, a good example, is when Peter said to Jesus, uh, no, you're not going to go to Jerusalem. No, you're not going to be crucified. No, that's not going to happen. And that's wisdom from the devil. And, and Jesus is saying to the earthy man, Peter, not only are you earthy, but you're, and you're also sensual, and you're also devilish. And Satan get behind me. So there, that's a pretty powerful picture. Now, I, that's, uh, not what, that's not my message tonight, but I just can't help but share that with you. So this is like a downward direction. Sensual is horizontal, and then devilish is an upward direction. So, um, but the upward direction is wrong. It's upward, but it's to the devil, not to God. Because I've lost God. The first man, Adam, he lost God. Uh, so that's why Jesus said, you must be born again. When you are born again, now you become spiritual. In Romans chapter 8. You have the spirit. Now you, now you are spiritual. Now you have an upward. Now you have another kind of wisdom. Yeah, wi wisdom, and there's three words that, that I could share with you today because I taught at the high school today, and, and it's good. I, I, you're, you're following me. I, I'm sure you're with me. Sophia, wisdom. Sophia. This is the three words that da Daniel 117 with the four Hebrew boys, these words are there, 117. Okay. I guess that died for some reason. Huh. Might have built up something. Nope, it's over. Enough of that. <laughs> let's, let's go to Genesis 1, 27. Because I'm... God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. God blessed them. And he said to them, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. So we have the design of man. The soulish design. He's not even spiritual. He's not a quickening spirit. But he's on the way. He's made with a design to dominate the earth. He's made to rule over fish and animals and life and, and disease. And I mean, there wasn't any at that point in our history, from what I understand. But he is dominating. He's ruling over. He is soulish. He is soulish. 
but he hasn't sinned. And God made a garden. Chapter 2, verse 7. God, Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Man became a living soul. And God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And there was a river and, and there was a, a territory defined. There was a, the garden and he was to keep it. Keep it. Chapter 2, verse, um, where are we? Um, Put them into the garden. Yeah, verse 15, chapter 2, 15. Thank you. The Lord God took the man, put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Is he soulish? Yes, he is soulish. But can he keep the garden, be a farmer? Yes. Can he manage his life? Yes, he can. He is, but he is soulish. And from what I understand, it's a phase like he's going to become like Christ. And he is, he is in, that, in that phase, and he has a, a design as a person and a plan of God in creation over, over the, as we said, over the fish and the animals and the birds and every living thing. Man is the crown of the creation, but he is soulish. Then he sins. And what happens to him? He has soul power. He is soulish, but he's sinful. He can manipulate. He can seduce. He can deceive. Because he's, he's made with a design that is soulish, and then he has sinned. Now he can use his skill his intelligence, his ability uh, to dominate and control and intimidate. He has the potential to do a lot in this life if he lives. And the Lord said, you will live. You will die when you take of the tree and eat it, that you will die in that day. So he died spiritually, but he didn't die physically in that day. But he did die before a 1,000 years old. He died when he was 900 and something years old, and that, that fits in with the scripture. One day with the Lord is as a 1,000 years. So in another sense, like he died right away spiritually, meaning, meaning he lost God. He lost God, but he's alive, and he's capable. And he can be, he is soulish. So this is the phrase here uh, that I want you to remember. And this is just a short, short teaching on it. I think it's soul, and we say soul power. Soul power. Maybe you've heard us say that phrase, soul power. Uh, a man could have dominance over a woman, but it's not spiritual. It's soulish. Uh, a man could run a company and have a hundred workers under him. He could be very good at it, 
but is it from God? Is God in it? And he could say, I don't believe in God. I'm not interested in that. I, I, but I am very good at what I do. Where do you get the intelligence? God. Where do you get the drive in his soul? Uh, where did he get the, the, the good feelings? God made him that way. He is soulish. He is able. He is capable. And this is a warning to us, because soulish people run our society. Our society generally is operated by people that are made like Adam. They are a living soul, but they have lost God. And without God, the powers that they have, powers of intuition, uh, powers of making decisions, powers of... Uh, of uh, emotion, conscience, uh, powers of speech. Remember, the psalmist said, Lord, uh, please um, don't let an evil man speak. Don't allow an evil man to be raised up and have authority. Not an evil man as a speaker. Yes, an evil man as a speaker. An evil man who is deceiving, an evil man who is a false teacher or an oppressor, a tyrant, a false man who is a thief. Yes, that happens. This is soul power. Soul power in everyday life. Soul power. Isn't it interesting? Yes, it happens. Like we should recognize it. It doesn't mean that people who don't have God couldn't have something good to bring to the table. It doesn't mean that there aren't a lot of good people, morally good people, who are not saved, and of course call no man good. In an absolute sense, no man is good. But in a relative sense, things operate by people behaving and treating each other well. And, and, and on it goes. But the, the point is that man left to himself is very capable and has an ability to have a lot of influence on other people and to mislead us and lead us astray and us to be drawn into a relationship with somebody that is soulish. But it feels good. But it's soulish. But, but I'm succeeding, but it's soulish. But, but I, I inherited this in my family, but it's soulish. But I'm comparing myself to other people, I'm soulish. Isn't that interesting? I think it is. We call it um, soul power, and we also have, we, we talk about in the scripture, soulishness. Yeah, the powers of our soul. Okay, now let's think about it. Let's bring Jesus into the picture. Jesus comes into your life, and he has the Holy Spirit all over him. He is anointed. He is wise. He is not soulish. He is spirit. He's not sentimental, but he's loving. He can't be seduced. 
He's not a sinner, and he's not soulish. He's not drawn by the things that we easily are caught by, trapped by. Maybe good feelings or, um, or getting high. That would be an example, I think, of, of drinking or stimulation or I want to feel good. It's like a feel-good society. But where does it bring me? Where does soulishness bring us? But really to the dust, like we're bent over, and this is our world, and, and like we get tired of it, we're kind of bored with it, it doesn't really, I'm not really happy, I'm not really free, I'm not really worshiping God. I haven't found Jesus, I haven't found God, I haven't found the truth that sets me free, I haven't found what it means to be really free. But when Jesus came to this woman, he said, she's been like this 18 years. That's like us too, I think. I mean, soulish power and soulish living is a way of life for many Christians. They just go by, by their soulishness. They are drawn, attracted to things that are horizontal. Uh, they can be fed vertically from a cosmic um, communication in the atmosphere uh, to lead me and have me think a certain way. And, and then also, I'm way down in the dirt. My soul cleaves to the dust. Okay, now comes Jesus. Here we go. Turn to uh, Philippians 3 with me, and we'll... I, I think this will be the main point here to lift us up. Yes. Here's the Apostle Paul. This is one of the best short autobiographies of the apostle. And he has been a Pharisee, but it didn't give him anything. He didn't find Christ being a Pharisee. He didn't find God being a Pharisee. He did all things per right, as we see here in this text. Verse 3, we are the circumcision like us Christians, we are the same, which worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Those three things, make a note of that if you want. Verse 3, that's not our... But that's, that's great text there. You are born again, so you worship God in the spirit. You have a spiritual life. You do. You have a spiritual life. You have... You have prayer life, you have quietness, you have authority with God. It's not our ego, it's authority with God, the Spirit does it. How, how do you have your joy? The Spirit does that. How, how do you have your liberty? It's the Spirit of God that does that. Are you worried? Not really, that, not that much. I'm rejoicing in Christ Jesus. How can you rejoice in Christ Jesus? I'm telling you, if your world is in here, down here, it's, you, you, you know, that's not your calling. Your calling is not, is not that one. Your calling is, is for Christ to say, uh, stand up. You're free. Devil's gone. You're free. 
Worship. Worship me. Know me. I have set you free. You're free. Verse 4. Though I might have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinks that he has whereof you might trust in the flesh, I more circumcised the eighth day. Now he's talking about his portfolio. I, I, I'm an Orthodox Jew. I'm of the stock of Israel. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews. It's touching the law of Pharisee. I got it all. I got it all, but it, did, it didn't get me out of that. I was soulish in my religion. I was soulish in my relationship. I was soulish in my way of life. I was soulish when I got up in the morning. I was in bondage. I, I didn't have it. So verse uh, um, 6, concerning zeal, I was persecuting the church, but it was soul power. Touching the righteousness which is in the law, I was blameless, but it wasn't God. It was me. I was blameless because I was soulish. I was climbing the ladder. I was at the top. I had it down, but, there, but I was of the earth earthy. I didn't have this. So verse, what things were gained to me, I counted loss for Christ, verse 7. Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. You know how you know if you're spiritual? How many things have you lost for Christ in your heart, in your life? Love of money, have you lost that? The love of money, the fear of losing relationship, have you lost that? That fear about your future, have you lost that? That fear about what, you, what other people think about you, have you lost that? The, the fear of death, have you lost that? Yeah, the, the things that I fear is a good indicator of if I am of the Spirit. Because the Spirit tells you. The Spirit speaks to you. You don't need the world. You're not soulish. You see, the, wor the world and the soul, they go together. Las Vegas is one version. Walking in the woods on the Appalachian Trail can be another one, but it can all be soulish. But I could be a spirit-filled believer in Las Vegas. I could be in the Appalachian Trail also, wherever you put. It's not the environment, but people that are attracted to soulishness They'll find celebrities. Let's make a short list. There are people that are drawn to celebrities. What do, why are you drawn to celebrities? Because they're cool. They're famous. Because of the way they look. Because of the way they talk. Because of the following they have. What? Like celebrities? As Isaiah 2.22, it says, what is it? Uh, Fear not man whose breath is in his nostrils. Like God is like putting man in his place. The man's breath is in his nose. And you take that breath away and he's gone to the dust. Are you afraid of men? Yes. Are we afraid of life? Yes. 
Yes. Has the devil rubbed our face in the dust and the dirt? Yes. Are you drawn to celebrityism, popularity? How about the love of money? How about my reputation in all of these things? And the Apostle Paul is saying, I had all of it, but I needed Jesus Christ, and he came to me, and he saved me. And I became a quickening spirit, or the spirit, maybe it would be said differently, Christ is a quickening spirit, but they that follow him have the spirit, and they are able to make dead things alive. They're able to make their life work. They're able to follow God. They're able to actually solve problems. And when they can't solve a problem, they can live with peace, and peace that passes understanding. Isn't that good? Let's finish up here. Chapter 3, verse... Uh, you know, okay, verse 9, and be found in him. That's what I want to be found in him. I want to be found in him. Lord, have you found me? Yes, I found you. Where was I? You're in my son. You're in my son. I found you in my jewelry box. Malachi 3.17, you are my jewel. I found you in my son. You are, you, I put my spirit in you. You are, you are for me. You are for, God can say, you are for me. You are made, you are, you are going to heaven. You have an upward call. It's actually written here. He said, that I would be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I might know him in the power of his resurrection, in the fellowship of his sufferings. Nobody suffered like Paul. He suffered a lot, but he knew him. How did he know him? Not this list here. This list is too small for you. This list is in the dust. It's in the dirt. You, you, you're not a follower of the world. You don't love the world. You, are, you have the love of the Father that is in you. And that Holy Spirit that is in you, lifts it. you lift up your head, and you have an upward calling. My upward, my, my uh, how is it, for my highest, the Oslo Chamber book. What is it? My utmost for his highest. Is that it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I like the verse here. That's a book title, but this is the scripture, verse 14. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. Look at this little sketch here. Is it man's made a living soul? And then he falls, and he's a sinner, sinful man. Jesus comes. He's a quickening spirit. You and I believe in him, and we have a upward call. How about this woman here? She has a downward call, right? Like she's a, it, it's, it's terrible to live like that. But I couldn't decide. Because you and I are born again. But we have to say, we have that tendency to go to the dirt and go to something a lot less 
than what we're really looking for. You're looking for something more. In our, our poor world, you're so distracted and so lost, and they're so bent over, and they're so drawn by soul power, and they are so much misled that you and I have to get real serious about it and say, and shut, shut that down and walk away from the soulishness that is in the world and shut it down and walk in the spirit. Have a lot of praise in your life. Be, be very thankful. Be a spirit-filled believer. Have a, I, I, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. It's kind of like so high that Jesus brings us like, here, here is a soulish man, and Jesus brings us like so high we, we, you know, when you climb a mountain, you've got the axes and the shoes and the ropes and everything, and you're climbing a mountain and you're trying to get there. But it's another thing when you've got wings, and you just got wings, and you just fly. Which world? The soulish man is climbing a mountain. The spiritual man is above. He's beyond. He is Christ. I am crucified with Christ, but I live. Yet not I, but Christ. I press toward the prize of the high calling. That incredible, that transcendent life. The Spirit filling us. The Spirit comforting us. The Holy Spirit in us. Yeah. You know, when you're seven years old, let's say it this way, when you're a little, little guy, seven years old, what do you know? How can you make decisions? Here's a, here's a decision, a road, fork in the road. You're seven years old. How do you make a decision? You're seven years old. What do you know? You're in the mall with your father, your mother, and then you just make a decision. You just start walking. You see a dog or something, or there you go. What do you know? You lack understanding. You and I lack understanding when we're seven years old. How come you got Tom? Why where you where are you? I you know, I start crying. I got lost in the mall. What happened to me? You don't understand. You don't understand. How could a seven-year-old understand? He can't. He needs time. He needs time and experience, and he starts to learn, and he grows, and he learns. There are people that never learn what we're talking about tonight. They don't believe that Jesus Christ is the answer. They haven't learned it. They just make their own decision I just do their life, and then they, what happened to me? What happened to me? It's like, you, you didn't, did you learn? No, I don't even know what you're talking about. I didn't learn in the school. I don't learn with my friends and my parents. I don't learn at the university. I don't learn. I don't even know what you're talking about. Well, the wise man said, my son, give me your heart. You need to learn. 
And the greatest learning is spiritual. It's not soulish. We all know there are so many words that can be said. There are so many things to be taught. And by the way, there are fields of science and learning that are very valuable. And as a spiritual person, you can learn a lot. I'm not saying that secular education or the learning that way, but I am saying this. How come people never realize that they just accept that this bent over life, that's the life that they have, and they have no options. That's the life that they live in, and they don't realize it. But you and I have learned something, to trust in the Lord with all our hearts and not lean on our own understanding. And seek, if any man lack wisdom, let him, let him ask of God, who will give to him and upbraideth not, does not hold it back, but will give liberally to that person. And then you say, I made, I made the right decision, and this is a, I ended up in a good place. I made a bad decision. I made, ended up in a bad place. What will the spiritual man say? I ended up in a bad place, but you know what? I've got God. I've got God. I ended up in a bad place. I made a stupid decision. I got God. I will get up. I will trust in God and the Holy Spirit. You see, the spiritual life isn't like in the world, and it isn't soulish. The spiritual life never fails. The spiritual life endures all things. The spiritual life is God. It's the anointing of God, the mind of God, the way of God, the training of God. That's why Paul said, all this other stuff I don't care about. I'm going for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I found the way. I found that Jesus is real. I become, I am filled with the Spirit. I am a thankful and appreciative. I'm learning His grace and His mind, and actually I feel like actually I know Him, that I may know Him in the power of His resurrection, in the fellowship of His sufferings. Paul said there in that chapter, but... He said, I'm crying. Verse 18, for many walk of whom I have told you often, and now you tell you even weeping, they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. They are Christians, but they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. They are soulish, they are the enemies of the cross. They have relationships, and they may even be good people, but they're in bondage. They're bent over. They don't, have, they don't have the joy. They don't have the truth, the peace. They don't have it. They might say they might have the name, like all of us. We have, but we, I, I'm only provoking us to think that I, I don't want to live my life in soul power. I would like to live my life in spirit power. I would like to learn how God thinks. I would like God to help me be a quiet, godly, persuaded, uh, uh, wise person with my sisters and brothers being edified and built up 
in the plan of God because one day we're going to meet him. And you know, when you're going to get there, you're going to say, you're going to go like this. This is my take, my little, you know, not literally, but follow me. You're going to get there and go, I smell, I smelled this before. I smelled heaven before. I know what this is. I smelled it. And an angel could say, where did you smell? I, I smelled it when I was on the earth, when I was in a human body. I, I smelled it here. I, I sensed it when I was on the earth. I, I know the sound. I, I have the smell. I realize the reality. I know the purpose of it. I am not a foreigner in heaven. This is my place. I know what it is. And the angel could say, how did you find it? I, I said, Jesus found me. And he's a quickening spirit. And he made me alive so I would never die. I would not die. I didn't die. I just left my body. And I went to a fuller a place where there is no shadow. Uh, there, is, there is only uh, the presence of God everywhere. And there is... Um, I see through a glass darkly now, but now we see more clearly. So when you get up in the morning, bounce out of bed if you can. Crawl out. <laughs> Groan and kick yourself out. Struggle. Jump out. Do jumping jacks, the glory of God, and say hallelujah. Sometimes you get real down and on your knees before God and just say, Lord, you made me a spirit. Fill me with your spirit. Teach me your way. Help me learn and grow and be part of the answer for others. Help me to pray, sing and praise you because we're not just climbing a mountain to get up high. We're soaring with you in your new creation while we are on earth in this body. And Lord, have mercy on us because I don't think I can take a lot of pain, a lot of suffering. I don't know. But if you give it to me, be sure to give me all the grace I need so I can take it. Help me because you are good God. Gracious God, loving God, help me in my family, in our church, in our mission, and do it. You know, I know you're not doing this by soul power. You're doing it by your son, Jesus Christ, who's alive and lives in us and made us his bride, or one day we will be his bride made us his body. Okay, amen. Would you pray with me? <clears throat> yes. Lord, some of us, we have a lot to learn about the spiritual life how we handle our time, our schedules, our days, count our days, number them. Redeem the time, 
Some of us have a lot to learn about handling our possessions, handling our lives, temptations, having high priority on you so that we could be spirit-filled all the time and guided, guided in your ways. Bless your con, other conferences, Pastor Shabelli tonight in Morocco, uh, Pastor Pete Westera in Uzbekistan, and others. Right here, the young people teaching the young people, the cafe fellowship, also our temptations with life. We'd be real good at saying no, real good at rebuking the enemy, real good at embracing you with all our hearts, walk away from the flesh and crucify that. Lord, thank you for that. And anyone listening, you want Jesus in your heart, then just say, Jesus, come into my heart. And for Christians, you, those that are saying, I want more of Jesus in my life. I want more of Jesus in my life. I need Jesus in my life. Every day, all the time, I want Jesus to fill me. Then just say that prayer to him. Yes, and help us with our, with our marriages and help us in our everyday life. Help us, Lord, in our temptations. Help us, Lord, we pray, in our church, learning love and the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.